and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, your co-host and moderator for this episode. Joining me is someone from the Massachusetts Brat and Punk Division, Lily. Why, hello there. <laughs> also joining us is our regional knifey spoony champion, Sean. That is true. Three years running now. <laughs> and last but not least, this week we are joined by a very special guest. Joining us all the way from the great city of Melbourne, in the land down under, you may know him from his animations on Vine, you may know him from Max Payne 3, you also may know him as Max the Man at the Table from an episode of Danger 5, Hamish, welcome to Hitting Play. G'day, how you going? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you were expecting? I can be more Australian if you need me to be. (laughs) No, no, no. This is all about breaking down stereotypes. That's that's what this episode's all about. Oh, oh. I'm in the wrong place then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> I didn't get that memo. Uh, well, we may we may sound like some of us are a, a little delayed. Uh, this is just a fun fact for all of you. We are communicating at a distance of 10,542 miles. That's 16,965 kilometers. And that's about one twenty-second the distance between the Earth and the Moon. Wow. Yeah. This has gotten all sciencey. I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> Thanks, Herbert. Thanks, Professor. We appreciate your... Uh... <laughs> You're quite welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, this week we watched a somewhat controversial episode of The Simpsons. It's episode 2F13. It's the 16th episode of The Simpsons' sixth season, entitled Bart vs. Australia. And it originally aired on Fox in the United States on February 19th, 1995. And I could think of no better person to review this episode with us than Hamish, a real-life Australian who can answer all of our dumb questions. (laughs) It sounds like you just grabbed me from the streets. Like, are you Australian? Come here. (laughs) Well, Scott tried to call some random Australians collect, but, you know, you're the only one that would pick up, so... Yeah, they wanted to boot him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This really hit home for me, this episode. See, I was worried that when I got that phone call, I thought you guys were complaining that I was downloading too many of your shows. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this episode was written by the great writing team of Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. They had a very successful run on The Simpsons. And it was directed by Wes Archer, who's done a, a number of television shows. And this is notable as being the first episode where The Simpsons leave the United States. Hmm. Executive producer David Merkin described this episode as a love letter to Australia, a purposely (laughs) nasty and very inaccurate love letter. The creators also claimed that they had two tourist guides to help them create this episode. Really? That's surprising, because watching it, it looked like they had no idea what Australia was. (laughs) It was fortunate they got in the right place of the world. I mean, they, you know, could have just... Pointed somewhere else randomly in the globe and, and found something else. Yes. Love yeah. letter to Australia? Was Australia an ex-girlfriend of some kind? <laughs> <laughs> and, well, Josh yeah. Weinstein, the, one of the writers, he said they chose Australia because they thought everyone there has such a good sense of humor that they would get it and they would like it. Oh, well, yeah, who's serious? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's funny because we do get it now. Unfortunately, at the time, not so much. We, we did not... Um, it wasn't accepted as being a, a, a great piece of Australian, I guess, I get it. they picked all the weirdest parts and kind of amalgamated in this weird, 
weird version of Australia. Like all the characters sound like they're either New Zealanders or I don't know, South African in a weird way. Like the yeah, little yeah. kid at the beginning of it, he's like, emergency, yeah. emergency. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a little kid like that, or I've never heard anybody speak like that in my entire life. But um, I guess it's fair to say, yeah, the episode, yeah, wasn't met with open arms at the time. Now, Hamish, does Australia have a history of of possibly banning an episode like this that was considered offensive, or any other kind of show? I would say. Um, that might offend people, would they put the kibosh on it? Um, yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're still kind of uh, keeping an eye out on what's good and what's bad, you know, going to offend people. So we have a kind of sensibility and, I guess, you know, uh, responsibility to make sure that the content that we're all seeing is, you know, is good and, you know, quality stuff. So anything that's raucously insane, we have to kind of pull back. These days, I think it's a little bit more... It depends on what's happening in the world around us, especially yeah. you know, uh, activities like terrorist activities or what's happening in the States or in Australia itself. Uh, so a lot of things are still kept in check. But in the early days, yeah, we're, we're pretty harsh about those sort of things, especially Simpsons. Like we look at the Simpsons now, that particular episode, and we're all quoting it. We're all still talking <laughs> about beer and, you know, coffee, like coffee, beer, coffee, beer, <laughs> and, you know, knifey spoony. Uh, I mean, it's funny now, but it, it took a little bit of time for us to get over the initial shock of seeing that episode. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we weren't exactly huge on the um, international stage at that time, except for a couple of things like the reference even in an episode like Yahoo Sirius, uh, Crocodile Dundee, and also Energizer battery ads. With, yeah, um, Jocko. Jocko Jackson. Hmm. Yeah, if you remember, there's like a character you see in, um, was it Li that, that Lionel Hutt sounding character? I forget who he is. He's supposed to be the Australian ambassador, American ambassador. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going through a lot of uh, imagery. Uh, yeah, all these things were pretty much being pushed overseas to America because it was very niche. Uh, and so, yeah, they got that particular area right, I gotta say. Yeah, now do you remember when this episode aired? Yeah, I was still in primary school. Um, well, the primary school. What's the equivalent of primary school for you guys? Well, we say elementary school. It's all elementary. the same. Elementary, yeah, same school. Thing. elementary school. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because I'm in primary school and Bart Simpson's in elementary school, and now I'm an adult and Bart Simpson's still in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's strange. But yeah, it, I remember it when it came out and there was a lot of um, yeah, hoo-ha about it and people complaining about it and saying that this is you know demeaning to Australia and our values and what we look like as people. Uh, you know, it, We can accept, yeah, that it was a little bit of a kind of slap in the face because we're all thinking, oh, it's going to make Australia look great. It's going to you know, bring up some tourism. It's going to make us look fantastic, especially on this popular animated show. Uh, and yeah, the product was very, I guess, I wouldn't say it took our breath away. It, it kind of made us rethink what we're showing in Australia and what we actually enjoy, I guess. No, was, just uh, align with uh, being school-aged. The writers mentioned that uh, they got a lot of letters from Australian school children saying that they were very offended by the episode, but they are tending to think that it was the teachers that uh, initiated all these classrooms to write mass letters to the creators of The Simpsons. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, well, well, maybe the teachers were having a very easy day and went, well, here's your writing assignment. Could you complain about the TV show? Kind of a strange yeah. thing, yeah. It was the end yeah. of the year or something, and they just had to fill time, so... You know. yeah, yeah, what would that have accomplished? I wonder if, like, the writers of The Simpsons are going to read all these letters and be like, oh, because all these children in Australia don't like it, I guess not. <laughs> I guess we should just quit while we're ahead. Really, yeah. 
Yeah, Australia's the brass ring here. If you uh, can't get Australia, you're done for. <laughs> no, yeah, you make it sound like a bunch of kids wrote these letters into them. I mean, yeah, I th- I think at that time uh, when I was a kid and I saw and they were banning the episode, uh, I didn't really care what I was watching on TV because you know I, I was still into watching Transformers and I guess was it they had the Gummy Bears or whatever is that show? Oh yeah, used to have? yep. <laughs> there are there are many screwed up TV shows things that were on at that time that you know uh they could could have probably banned i mean i think i was still a kid and, and watching the x-files and things like that but um yeah it, it's it's strange that looking at it from that age you're kind of not sure why they're banning the show because you don't have that kind of filter where this is going to be a very very offensive it's just it's a cartoon it's a cartoon show and i'm a little kid trying to watch a cartoon show yeah yeah uh, so when they banned it it was like oh i can't watch my show today okay fine we'll just watch a repeat <laughs> you know, as a, as a kid, it wasn't a huge deal. But when you're an adult and you're trying to, I guess, protect kids from this sort of stuff, you you, you stress and you worry a lot more. Now, I should mention, too, that this the premise for this episode is actually taken from the real-life story of 17-year-old Michael Fay. And he made news around the world in 1994 after being sentenced to caning for uh, graffiti in Singapore. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that story. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it was a, was a uh, the Weird Al Yankovic did a parody of that. He put that in that song. Yes. Yeah. Headline uh, news. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Headline yeah, news. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Yep. So for a more detailed that. story, check out the music video for that song. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know more about it, you know. All right. Now, just getting right into this episode, we we start with the standard Simpsons opening and the goings on around Springfield and Bart at the chalkboard where he writes the words, I will not hang donuts on my person. This was, <laughs> honestly, I've seen probably all of these chalkboard uh, things over time. This is probably the funniest one I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I laughed for a good minute when I, when I watched this again today. Hilarious. I mean, just, that imagery is just, uh, well, kind of frightening, to be honest with you. But Yes. Um, hang donuts on his person. Yeah, just think about it for a minute and you'll yeah, get it. Is, uh... you're, you're an innocent <laughs> mind, but you'll... You know, you'll, you'll catch on. This is a children. Well, I guess it's not really a children's show. It's a cartoon, though. That's that's kind of just just picture that <laughs> happening in uh, this is uh, what's her name? Kerbobble. Kerbobble's class. Yeah. You know, during. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, we see why Bart got in trouble. We understand uh, of that. Course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, the couch gag for this episode was kind of funny. The carpet of the living room is water, and they kind of emerge, and Bart has a snorkel, and it's kind of yes. something different. And we start the episode with Bart and Lisa having a race in which they squirt toothpaste into the sink and see which one reaches the drain first. And then Bart claims the only reason why he lost is because the water was spinning counterclockwise, and if it was the other way, he would have won. And Lisa explains, no, water always spins that way, it's called the Coriolis effect. So I I wanted to ask you, Hamish, did you happen to test your toilet before this episode? No. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Um, I could have done, done it in the sink, but apparently I have to use my toilet now? God. Well, I mean, no. to be consistent with the episode, but if you want yeah. to squirt some toothpaste... <laughs> it's got to be scientific. Yeah. Here. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, unfortunately, I, I did not test my toilet for this. I mean, I sh- knew I should have for science, but instead <laughs> I, was in the, I was in the toilet for other business, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so I, I actually looked up the Coriolis effect, and, you know, it's completely untrue that the toilet bowl water spins the opposite way uh, on a different hemisphere. Um, It only affects hurricanes and water on a larger scale, like over the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just a little bit of water in a toilet uh, isn't quite affected by this scientific theory. Yeah. And my, my toilet ran clockwise, completely opposite from The Simpsons. And, and the, ah, and the sink go. drain, too. I didn't actually test mine. Now I'm curious. <laughs> I'll be back in a few minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got to do some science. I'll be right back. <laughs> so, uh, like, <laughs> if you go to the bathroom, you're like, excuse me, I've got to do some science. <laughs> <laughs> some paperwork. As we Sorry, like kids. you got to get out of here. Dad's got to do some experiments. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I love I, we get yeah. some uh, gratuitous uh, Homer nudity in this episode, which is always exciting. <laughs> some Homer cheekage in the shower, which is uh, quite nice when Bart is experimenting in his toilet. Yes, is that what we're terming it? Cheekage. Cheekage. Yes. I like that. Flappage, <laughs> flappage cheekage, whatever you prefer. Are you sure you hamage that? It, uh, that is not a, an American term. Cheekage. Oh, cheeky. Yeah. Cheeky. You, go ahead if you want to use it. Go nuts. <laughs> So, uh, also, Lisa explains to Bart, you know, anywhere south of the equator, even if it's Argentina or Rand McNally, the water's going to spin the other way. He's <laughs> uh, sliding that joke in there. Nice. Nice work. <laughs> so, Bart grabs a phone book, and he's very interested in finding out if this is true. He opens it to the international dialing section, and he goes about randomly dialing these numbers, and they go on forever. And he calls a couple of different places, uh, the South Pole Research Station, <laughs> which uh, their toilet does not flush because it's frozen solid. <laughs> and he also talks to, they don't really uh, identify the country, but it's some South American country where the government official doesn't have the ability to translate too well. He understands Bart's <laughs> question as the tide is turning, which he relays to El Presidente. And uh, fearing a coup, they jump through the plate glass window. Uh, they also end up calling the car phone of an elderly Adolf Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the license plate Adolf One. <laughs> mm. Well, he did survive, you know, World War Two. I mean, it's it's just a fact. It's a fact. Well, that's what the documentary series Danger Five is all about, right? It is. I, th I think it's about time that somebody actually put the truth out there <laughs> that they got on top of that. <laughs> I like how you see the gentleman on the, uh, I think it's a unicycle, Try, uh, go by him and say, um, Buenos noches, mein Fuhrer, as he uh, rolls by on his uh, unicycle. <laughs> and gives him the uh, Hitler salute, or the uh, palm up salute, palm down salute. Yeah, yeah. Hitler has a little sigh of uh, uh, annoyance, or, you know, you can't, you can't win, you can't get away. <laughs> and that was, I mean, this was, what, 1995? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Portable or cellular phones will become a nuisance twenty years later. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, they also call a South Pacific island that just experienced a volcanic eruption, and uh, that poor guy lost his life <laughs> trying to answer the phone. <laughs> his priorities were really messed up there. I mean, he got on top of that house to escape the danger, and then he was like, "Oh, there's a phone," and he just jumps in. <laughs> It's like his survival instincts stopped as soon as he got himself to safety, and he's like, "Oh, I better answer that phone." Yeah, yeah. And the receiver is already in the lava. So I don't know what he was trying yeah. to do at that point. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it still cause. was functional in the. <laughs> yeah, that too. Anyway, uh, Lisa reminds Bart that you know calling all these places is going to cost a fortune. So then Bart decides, well, on his next one, he'll call Collect, and this is where he calls Australia. And we cut to Australia, where a koala is electrocuted as it touches a, a telephone pole transformer, I guess. 
And uh, I wanted to ask you, Hamish, does this happen often? Do you have a lot of koala-related power outages? <laughs> I was outages? thinking the same thing. <laughs> Is this a common a behavior of koala bears? Do they try to touch Transformers and get shocked? Um, if they're awake at some point. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's strange. Like We do have animals electrocuting themselves. Uh, not commonly koalas. Um, I mean, I mean we, we can't say it, it, it hasn't happened. It probably has happened. Uh, but we usually just get like uh, the different kinds of animals electrocuting themselves, like bats or possums or just birds. There you go. Yeah, we got those. <laughs> it's not just koalas. Koalas aren't the only things being electrocuted. Just be, you know, be sure of that. We're electrocuting everybody and everything equally. Well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> good job. Yeah. yeah. Ha- have you guys ever heard the noises a koala makes? No. Just it's one of the fine. most disturbing things I have ever heard. <laughs> you really? You should listen yeah. to the possums that we have out here. We actually have <laughs> oh we have possums that live in basically nearly every tree of Australia. I swear, wherever I go, there's always a possum. Uh, but I had a friend of mine who was listening to a couple of possums uh, squabbling outside, and it, it, she sounded like, a, like some sort of weird. The sound of the devil. That's what she said. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like the, the call of Lucifer. <laughs> These two animals are squabbling at each other in the middle of the night. Oh, it was, man. It was an interesting remark, I gotta say. <laughs> Glad I don't live in Australia, that's for sure. Oh, come on, it's beautiful. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, man. Well, you know, I don't want to be eaten by a possum. We have possums here, what are you talking about? I know, but they don't make satanic noises outside. Just, just don't get them angry, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't piss off the possums. There you go. <laughs> Because you know, one minute, one minute you're feeding him, next minute they're stealing your car. <laughs> That's right. That's like bears. Well, then you have bigger possums than we do. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll breed a possum a different. What well, you say? You had bears stealing cars? Stealing food out of cars. Oh, sorry. It's like bears are stealing cars. And then they're like, oh, maybe we should steal some food. Nah, don't worry. We'll just take the car. It's like three bears in a Pontiac driving down the street. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have plenty of drive throughs around, so. Yeah, there's oh more bear God. sightings at drive-throughs these days. They're stealing cars, <laughs> going to drive-throughs, and just stealing food there. That'd be weird. I, I didn't know things were so bad in America. God, bears times are tough. Just watch The Simpsons. You'll see. No, uh, depends on which version. I mean, yeah, yeah. the early versions and the new version, and then there's the sweet spot in the middle. Yes. Fortunately, that's where this episode is. This is, this is probably my favorite season, season six. Yeah. Mm. I love this this season. Mm. Oh, so now Bart makes this call, and this young Australian boy, who, as Hamish brought out, has more of a South African accent. This is Tobias Drundridge, and he picks up the phone, and, and Bart claims to be Dr. Bart Simpson of the International Drainage Commission. And he asks him to accept the charges, as it is an emergency, and of course, Tobias, being a polite young boy as all Australians are, he accepts. So Good. can I, can I take the second? Not to put you on the spot at all, Hamish, but um, mm-hmm. can you do some like stereotypical Australiany sayings and uh, then translate them? <laughs> Man, I thought I was gonna be the offensive one this episode. <laughs> Translate it's all in good fun. Translate the way I speak. I'm not speaking yes. English. Is that you are speaking saying? English. I think no, she means. No. I think she means like "good day" means "good day." Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. 
Thanks. All right. I was trying right. to figure no. that one out. No, no, forget I asked. Forget I asked. Never mind. Decipher that. No, I mean, um, I guess a lot of things in Australia, um, common slang and a lot of jingoistic terms that we use in Australia. We don't notice it because we, we never keep track of that kind of stuff. But, um, oh, God, what I can think of something. Um, you ever use the word uh, dollar dazzler? No. No. That's usually a term they use for when they're selling something on TV. Like, you know, it's like, it used to be like $5, now it's $2. It's a dollar dazzler. Um, that's one term <laughs> they've used. That's oh, one like thing that. they use in Australia. Yeah. That's um, awesome. It, it, it's very, we're very, uh, yeah, it's very colloquial. But um, what was the other thing? Bottler beauty? Mate, mate, that's a bottler beauty, which is more or less, I guess, in the term, it means really good, but also... You could also use it in a term where it's like, it's so good, it needs to be bottled. You need to put that in a bottle and keep it. It's great. It's fantastic. Hmm. And again, I See, can't say those awesome. words in a normal way. I have to use like an Australian, lower, <laughs> yeah. Australian speaking. You go into that kind of stereotypical, mate, that's amazing. Look at that. Mate, that's a beauty. That, that's the voice I use when I go overseas because when I'm speaking like this, this doesn't, to anybody else, this doesn't feel Australian enough. So, <laughs> no. you know, you go to Hong Kong and it's like, mate, look at that. <laughs> I'm in Hong Kong. <laughs> no, um, See, I only ask because hmm? your expressions are far more colorful than American expressions. We have no, you know, vibrance in our dialect of English. What are you talking about? You guys have vibrancy, yeah. right? Yeah. Have you yeah. ever been down to like New York what? City anywhere really before? I mean, come on, that's pretty vibrant down there. You get <laughs> down to the Queens and you get you see some vibrance. Oh yeah. Wait, wait, you are talking about these guys in Brooklyn who are like, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, Tony, hey, oh, hey, oh and it's all of that going on. You mean, hey, who's the American that just came on? Put him in the There's a guy from Brooklyn on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, he's just calling in. He's like, hey, what are you doing? You talking Australia? Oh! <laughs> and he leaves. That's it. He, he doesn't, oh, the guy doesn't stand around having a long conversation. He just drives by or walks by and says like, oh, what's this guy doing? Oh! Walks off. And you're like, who was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, now Hamish, I, I should probably w ask you now. Have you ever stepped foot in an Outback Steakhouse? No, they don't exist in Australia. <laughs> really? You're missing something out because that Outback Steakhouse is quite a place, I'll tell you. If you just read the menu and they the names that, of the food, you would laugh. They have that blooming mm. onion, which is fantastic, I gotta say. Mm. I've, I've, I've heard about those things. Oh, they're, they're I great. feel offended for Australia whenever I would step foot into an Outback Steakhouse. Actually, uh, we're even more offended because... Uh, if you look at the ads, have you ever seen those ads for Outback Steakhouse? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yes, yeah. Okay, do you know, because there's a guy on it in, I think, the, the early ones. Um, there's a guy with glasses. He's Jermaine Clement from Fly of the Concords. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's on that ad doing an Australian accent, and he's not Australian. He's from yeah, New he's Zealand. he's from New Zealand, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and he's on that. He, and here's the thing. Australia, uh, Outback Steakhouse isn't even made in Australia. The guys who make it haven't even been to Australia. Yeah, it's based out of Chicago, actually, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, the whole thing is a farce. So, like, when we... I, I looked at the ad, and I was like, okay, so you have uh, an Australian-themed restaurant, which isn't made by Australians, the people who have never been to Australia, and you've got it being promoted by a uh, New Zealander. This is weird. Very weird. It's like, yeah, it's like, again, the Simpsons episode, where it's like, have you been to Australia? This is <laughs> the most weirdest thing ever. I mean, look, we do love steak, and we do love eating food, just like everybody else. Sure. Um, but, you know, with, with, in Australia itself, we never hang 
a lot of Australian paraphernalia on the walls <laughs> to really show you that this is Australia because you know we just hope that even though you're in the country that you know it's Australia. So like, did you know that they call the appetizers Aussie tizers? Uh, I do now, and I'm never gonna. It's horrible now. No, <laughs> speaking of steak and things, do you guys? Yeah. This might be an off-color question. So Scott, you might want to get ready to edit this out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, does anybody there? Do they eat like kangaroo or anything? Yeah. Okay, I was just asking. I didn't know, Scott. No, no, no. no. I said, at me. No, no. It's I not, didn't say anything. I can hear you sighing across the phone. <laughs> it, it's it's not off color. Um, we actually have okay. eaten. Um, oh, I've eaten uh, kangaroo and emu. So we've Ooh, eaten, we're, we're able to eat a coat of arms. Because wow. I've got arms, like, you know, uh, an emu and it's uh, kangaroo. And the thing is, yeah, you can eat it. It's pretty, it's not bad. Um, it's a little bit uh, with kangaroo because if you look at a kangaroo, like the, the biggest portion of itself is, is its leg and it jumps all over the place. And so it's a little bit chewy. Huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'll have a bit of a spring in your step. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had to throw that one in. That's, of that's course. No, yeah. Joke I you. like that. That was good. <laughs> I, I have to say about uh, Outback Steakhouse, one final thing, is the most offensive thing I've ever seen in there is they had a little card on the table that told you how to order cheese fries as an Australian. Oh, <laughs> and it was spelled C-H-A-Z-E, uh, F-R-O-Y-Z-E, <laughs> and then like P-L-A-Y-Z-E, so it was Chase Fries Plays. What the hell is that? I know. <laughs> you sound like a poor English boy. <laughs> it's, it's like someone rewrote Oliver and changed it to cheese fries. So it's like, <laughs> cheese fries, please. Uh. We, here's the funny thing. We actually don't have cheese fries in Australia. We just put, if we want, you know, cheese fries, we just get the fries and put cheese on it. Right. That's it. You know, cheese fries is a very American thing. Uh, I've got to say, and it, it, yeah, it's strange. That that's that seems such like a bizarro thing for you guys to have. It's, Isn't it's that really terrible? Not, it's really not showing you guys in the greatest light. But then again, um, when I went oh. overseas to was it Shanghai, they had the expo, uh, an international expo where they have all these little, um, I guess, tents with uh, different samples of different countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went over there with a couple of mates of mine, and we actually went to the Australian tent. Okay, and. I don't know how to describe it, but because they're selling a certain flavor of the country, not the history of the country, it's the flavor of it. Uh, I went over there and everyone was wearing uh, a Cobras, you know, type of hats, wearing Dreiser Bones, you know, the type of uh, coats that we have in Australia, in the Outback. And everyone was saying g'day. And this is to a bunch of people from Shanghai who are going, what is this weird, fascinating place? And so, yeah, as Australians, we're going here watching these people just really lather on this Australian fakery. <laughs> Uh, you know, you walk by them and they're like, g'day. And like, you're like, yeah, hi, mate. <laughs> and then we went and saw this presentation. And there was this presentation, because they spent, apparently spent like a lot of money on this whole thing. Uh, the presentation was the most broad presentation of Australia ever. It wasn't like Australia was founded by Captain Cook and all this stuff. It was just basically Australia, good minerals, great land, good people. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm not even kidding you. It was the most strange experience to be in Shanghai watching an Australian tribute to Australia, which really didn't involve much of Australian history or Australia. That's got to be surreal. Mm. It, it is strange. It is the strangest thing ever. 
I, I do have to also mention, I'm happy to announce that our, our local Outback Steakhouse went out of business. Yeah, it was terrible. It, is gone. it, it was It was... Well, One time I went there with my family and I got a moldy salad. That was great. <laughs> Actually, um, strange enough, in a weird coincidence, uh, and even though everyone loves watching those videos, uh, BuzzFeed actually had a, a bunch of Australians trying Outback Steakhouse. There's a video online you can actually watch. And it also involves uh, Sean James Murphy, who's from Danger 5, who played Tucker. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's cool. He's appearing we'll have to, in a uh... bunch of uh, BuzzFeed videos at the moment. Oh, is it really? Yeah, he, he's basically playing, well, he's basically the Australian in a group of other Australians trying American things because, you know, BuzzFeed doesn't go any further than, here, try American stuff, you Australians, or, hey, Australians, try American stuff, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, or whatever, you know, but yeah, it, it's strange, he's appearing in those videos. That's cool, I guess. Five connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just going back to the, to the episode, so Bart tells Tobias that the drains are malfunctioning and he has to check how his drain spins, he confirms that it is clockwise. It's opposite of Bart. Bart's kind of angered by this, tells him to check the neighbors. So, of course, poor little Tobias gets on his tricycle and goes <laughs> down the desolate road to find out how the neighbors' drains fared. And Bart, meanwhile, runs off with Millhouse to, I guess, sniff the bakery fire that's going on downtown. So later on that night when Bart comes back, Tobias's voice comes on the other end of the phone, and he tells him about all the other local drains that are all running clockwise. At this point, Bart's just bored, and he just hangs it up. He doesn't care about that anymore. And we cut to three weeks later, as Homer finds a very hefty phone bill in the mail. <laughs> I love when Homer has these conversations with his brain. <laughs> yes. This cracks. Well, the first thing that cracks me about this scene is his glasses, his uh, reading glasses he has, his bill-paying glasses. Yes. Which always, I mean, he's in a n number of episodes with these glasses, like he's, uh, you know, serious Homer. <laughs> and just this, this uh, whole dialogue between uh, Homer and uh, Homer's brain, where he's like, I don't, you know, remember this. And he's like, just shut up and, and pay the bill. I'll release some more endorphins if you do that. <laughs> and some of, the, some of the places on the phone bill, I don't know if you guys noticed, there was Santiago, Chile. There was the Antarctica Naval Research Station. There was New Ouagadougou. There was Burkina Faso. Now, Ouagadougou is the capital of Burkina Faso, and both are in the Northern Hemisphere, so Bart kind of missed that one. As well as the unnamed settlement and disputed zone. I'm not sure what those are. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we come back to Australia later on, and we see Tobias's father. This is Bruno Drundridge, and he's very upset to hear that his phone bill is for $900 dues. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which is the official currency of Australia, as you, as you well know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dollar yeah, it, do. Actually, it's the old dollar I do. Dollar I do. <laughs> it is quite colourful, our Australian money. It does look like, um, I guess, Monopoly money. Other people have commented on it, saying it does look like Monopoly money. But it does come in different sizes, so if you... Well, that's one plus of it. If you are blind, you actually can tell the difference between it. Uh, unlike American money, which is, like, all the same size, isn't it? Like yeah, all uniform, yeah. The same size, yeah. Uh, in, a, in Australia, yeah, it's, it's different sizes. Like, uh, the biggest note that we have is the $100 bill, and then it goes down from that. So $50 smaller than that and smaller and smaller than that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, dollar reduces a thing, I guess. <laughs> we enjoy taking advantage of the blind here in the States, so that's why we do that. <laughs> Actually, we, within, the last, uh, <laughs> within the last 15 years or so, they've added, uh, like, if it's a $100 bill or $50, not 100 but 50 20 10 they have a uh, large 
print numbers in one of the back corners. So if you're somewhat visually impaired, you can kind of tell that you're handing somebody a, a 10 and not a 50, but that's about it. Yeah, because in Australia, um, the $5 note is the smallest note that we have. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think that's one of the comments I've heard most from people are saying, yeah, the blind people can just basically find exactly the right note that they want and just pull it out and there you go. That's great. Which is a, it's a really good thing. I, I don't know why we have incorporated that system here in, in the States. It's kind of ridiculous, but... Well, you know, we don't like change, apparently, so... Is that a pun? <laughs> but we no. do like change, no. <laughs> We still have the power oh! to Oh. That, oh. See, I could have played that off and been really clever, but I'm not at all, so... <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. So... $900 is this phone bill, and it only gets offensive from here, Hamish, so we apologize. Bruno <laughs> vows to report this to his member of parliament, and he does this by walking to his window and yelling out to Gus, a pig farmer next door. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we, I even you knew that was offensive to us. You know, oh, you didn't of course. Even know too much about Australia's culture to know that was slightly offensive, or well, pretty offensive. I knew this when uh, I was 11. Yes, this this was not right. <laughs> now, one of the, the phrases that um, his his father says to Bart while he's having this conversation is he calls himself, what well, do you think I am, some kind of Aussie drongo? Mm-hmm. Is that a, what does that refer to? Is that a actual term? A drongo? A drongo? Yeah, we still use the term drongo. It just means you're an idiot. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's like, mate, were you being a drongo? That's drongo. It. Yeah, like okay. being a, an idiot or a fool. Okay, there you go. Hmm. Very good. There we go. <laughs> now, from here, Gus agrees it's a bloody outrage, and he agrees they should report it to the Prime Minister. They mm. then shout for the Prime Minister, who is in a nearby lake, naked, floating mm. in an inner tube, and drinking a Foster's beer. Mm-hmm. I believe they say his name is Andy. I don't, have you ever had a Prime Minister named Andrew? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember all my Prime Ministers. But um, no, I don't think we've actually had one called Andrew. So they made that one up, especially for the fact that, you know, he was lying around naked in a tube in the middle of, a, was it a field? With like, it was like a lake, pond. yeah. Yeah, pond. Like, a, like a lake, <laughs> a, a, a pond. Um, it's good that that guy has, you know, really good access to his prime minister. Well, you know, we can hardly get a hold of him here. <laughs> that is I, guess, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I gotta compliment Australia on their, their beer. Uh, Foster's is, is a fabulous beer for the money. The, the value you get from the huge can of beers is just wonderful. Now, Hamish, so, thank you. Hamish, set us straight on Foster's, please. What, what do you want to know? I, that we, they, they, I don't think they make it here. They don't make it here. It's not, it's not a product of Australia, actually. Uh, really? I think it, it, it wasn't... Um, I'm trying to remember the history of it. It was actually two uh, American guys who came to Australia, I think, in the 1880s, something like that. Uh, and they actually came to Melbourne. Uh, they started uh, making the beer, Foster's, I think, for Carlton Brewery. I think these days it's not actually made in Australia. It's made uh, in Manchester or something like that in, oh. in, the UK, in the UK under the guys who make uh, Heineken. I don't think it's made here. I think they were part of uh, the Carlton Brewery group. But, um, yeah, if, if you want to know more about Foster's, uh, I can't say I've really drunk it. It's not exactly popular here in Australia. Wow. Okay, that's... Now here, we we have a long-running ad campaign where every commercial ends with Foster's, Australian for beer. Foster's, Australian for beer. Yeah. That's that's how it, it oh goes. Oh my god. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do a quite a good Australian That was a close accent. one. That was close. Yeah. 
it, it was close. It was like being next door to the guy who's doing the Australian accent. But um, <laughs> it but just no. kind of rubbed off on him a little bit. Oh, it, 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 it's, it's a corker, mate. It's so good. It's so good. There you go. There's a little bit. But um, yeah, with Fosters, we we I can't say it's hugely popular here. But you guys actually still have ads for it over there. Oh yeah, definitely. Wow, yeah, we there are no ads for it in Australia here, and uh, I scarcely see it being promoted. I think the last time it was promoted here, it was called something else. I think was it Foster's Classic or something like that. Huh. Well, it's 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 a good beer because it's relatively cheap here for the size that you get. I mean, it's definitely a, a larger can than you would typically get in a six pack or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's and the the price of it is, you know, it's quite a value really if you pick one up. How many dollar dues? Uh, I, I'm not sure how to how to convert that, but uh, it's it's only a few bucks, I think, for a big can. Yeah, I've never had it either. No, it's not it's not bad. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, again, it, I, we haven't really had it around here in Australia. I mean, you can buy it, but it, it's a rare a rarity to actually see someone drink it or have it because it's I, I believe it's just a pale ale. And it's not, yeah, it's not the, it the be- best beer for us because we have a selection of so many other beers that we can usually drink. Uh, usually find people drinking uh, VB, Victoria Bitter, or Carlton Draft in Australia. That's the regular one. I think I sent you, there's a link you can see for the VB ad, which is a classic ad, uh, especially in Australia, about was it hard-earned thirst needs a big cold beer. And the best cold <laughs> beer is Vic. I'm not trying to plug the product, but that's literally the entire ad. It's telling you just drink it at any time you like. Like if the, the whole ad involves people doing some very hard chores, like you know moving a tire, anything that actually rhymes. Strangely enough, you know moving a tire, singing yeah, yeah. in the choir. Uh, there's even a part where the guy's a guy's taking a vow. He's he's getting married, and apparently that's the best time to have a Victoria bitter when you're getting married. Now let me ask you, Hamish, not to yeah. turn this into beer talk or anything, but. Um, do you have the mentality of the English to drink your beer at room temperature, or do you drink it chilled or, or cold? Cold, always cold. Cold. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Cause we do here, of course, in the states, drink it cold. But the, you know, the English have that has to be room temperature or or warm type of mentality, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. That didn't carry over. It depends. I mean, like, I do know a lot of uh, English people. I mean, English people who in Australia still drink it cold. I think the whole warming it up thing uh i'm not sure if that's applies to all their beer but um in australia we just yeah have a cold it's good to have a cold one or a coldie (laughs) (laughs) yeah having a coldie over here mate um yeah i mean we just have it cold i mean we don't do anything special with it we don't you know do any magic or whatever i mean the only magic (laughs) we have in australia is making quality beer and quality wines again i'm not trying to plug australia but that's Yeah, well, how much are you getting from the from the Chamber of Commerce for? Uh... Uh, probably fifty cents. That's it. <laughs> That's half a dollar. We do. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm getting nothing. I'm getting nothing. But yeah, you know, it'd be good to be paid just to say these things. Actually, I do have a cousin who gets paid for saying things. Strangely enough. That's just, uh, that's just a weird factoid, if you want that. It's well, very vague. She gets paid for saying things. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem, though. I mean, he's um, he's my cousin. He's a, a voice artist, and he's been a voice artist for uh, Australian commercials and things like that. Um, that's, that's, no, that's, weird, awesome. that's a weird factoid, because, you know, it's it's strange to say, like, oh, yeah, I got uh, my cousin. He does voices. Uh, yeah, but he does, if you ever look him up, you find a guy called Robbie McGregor. He, he's a voice artist, and, he, and he's most more Australian than me. He sounds more Australian than I do. 
But uh, mm. yeah, he gets paid for doing uh, products and things like that. So he's he's really good. Oh, that's awesome. Strange factoid, but you know what? <laughs> no, that's a cool that's a cool job yeah. if you can get it. Voiceover Definitely. acting. Definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he he's a interesting kind of guy. He's he's a character. He's a real larrikin. <laughs> so back to the episode here uh, after they complain to the Prime Minister we cut back to Springfield and Bart's just receiving tons of letters and bills uh, in fact there's one from the Hopping Mad Bill Collection Agency in fact one of the stamps on one of the letters co commemorates 30 years of electricity I did notice that, that was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> which I hope you've had it longer than that oh yeah we've had a bit of it around a little bit <laughs> So Lisa tells Bart after discovering this stack of paper that she should come clean to uh, Homer and Marge about it. And Bart explains the situation and that he's being indicted for fraud in Australia. And a great moment where Homer replies, that's no reason to block the TV. <laughs> yeah. That's actually pre that's a pretty Australian thing to say, actually. God. <laughs> Going from Homer Simpson, that's a, a very Australian thing to say. Now, at this point in the episode, they take a commercial break, so why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break ourselves? We'll pay some bills, and we'll be right back. From the center of Australia comes the most pure amber liquid you could put inside your body. Dingo nuts. Made from 100% kangaroo, 2% goat, and 3% Vegemite. Dingo Nuts. It's the Australian brew that your dog could drink, your mum could enjoy, and also your cat could walk in from the street, look at it, and leave again. Dingo Nuts. Mate, you gotta get some Dingo Nuts. The greatest beer in this country has got to offer. Dingo Nuts. And we're back. Now, when we return here, the Simpsons get a visit from Evan Conover from the U.S. State Department. Uh, he's the Undersecretary for International Protocol, Brat and Punk Division, and he's played here by the late great actor Phil Hartman. I, I always love when Phil Hartman is in these episodes. Uh, very, just very sad about what happened to Phil, and he was mm. quite a great character in, in The Simpsons and so many other things, news radio, and um, just a great loss to comedy. Yeah, I, everything he did was great. So Conover explains to the Simpsons that Americo-Australinian relations were at an all-time low, and this really couldn't have come at a worse time. And he begins to show them a slideshow, and here we see all of the uh, real... These were real things that were big in American pop culture from Australia in the 80s. Uh, Crocodile Dundee, Koala Blue, which I'm not too familiar with. Sean, do you remember any of those stores? Being around? I don't know. That's, that's something I don't recall. Might have been I, West I, I Coast. I kind of remember the logo, but I don't recall what they did or anything like that. Yeah, yeah and, and Jocko, the Energizer spokesman, as well as uh, Vegemite subs at Subway. I don't know if that was a real thing. I, I hope not. And a Yahoo Serious film festival at, at a now-abandoned theater. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that seems about right, unfortunately. <laughs> Now, was Yahoo Serious always just a film actor, or did he do comedy? What was he primarily known uh, for? Basically those movies, that's it. Uh, from what I remember as a kid growing up, watching those films, because uh, there, there weren't too many Australian films, beyond, I guess, 
he had Mad Max and he had uh, Crocodile Dundee. Uh, but yeah, those movies were he he did the those two was it Reckless Kelly and uh, Young Einstein. Yeah, it's, it's, that's all I knew him for. Those two movies, two films, and he was really ingrained in the Australian culture of the mid nineties. You know, that, that's basically it. I think that's our chief export at that time was Crocodile <laughs> Dundee, Mad Max, Yahoo series, and the Energizer ads with a uh, Mark Jacko Jackson in it. Now, were, were those movies like uh, Young Einstein and Crocodile Dundee were they as popular in Australia as they were in America? Yeah, they were very popular because. Yeah. It, Australia didn't have, we didn't have too many uh, products like that coming out of Australia. I mean, the Australian film industry isn't huge at the moment. It's very, it's still very cult in a way, like especially the first Mad Max. The first Mad Max compared to what it is now, now it's like this glorious resurgence of the action genre. Uh, but back in the day, it was very much a kind of, you know, your B-grade film. Um, they filmed the first Mad Max in Melbourne uh, oh. and, that, and they filmed it, you know, in guerrilla style. And they didn't get permits for many of the scenes that they did. But um, no, they filmed it around Melbourne. Uh, they filmed it at uh, was it Science Works, the Pump House, uh, over at Werribee, over at Melbourne University Car Park. Actually, there's a photo, I think I posted on Tumblr, uh, a couple of years ago, I went around and had a look at some of those, some of those locations because I live in you know the town of Mad Max. And yeah, the locations still look the same, except there's like a little bit more grass, uh, there's more housing now, so you can see that kind of, you know, evolution of time has changed and things look uh, a lot different to the way they did, but still the same, especially the car park where Max meets the Interceptor for the first time. Uh, that's interesting for the fact because I work just near there, huh. and I've walked through that car park so many times, and that, you know, it's, it's very iconic, and it still looks exactly like it did back in the day. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. We we have, uh, there was a movie, a John Cusack movie from the 1980s called One Crazy Summer. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever, ever heard of it. But that features many locations around where we live. And uh, in fact, John Cusack graduates from a school that I went to. And it's just funny to see, you know, similar thing, those locations all those years later. Hmm. It, it is strange to see your own, uh, well, I guess, the place that you've lived at being remodeled to be something else. Yeah. Uh, especially if you ever seen Ghost Rider. Uh, no, I haven't. If you've stomached going to see that movie, Ghost Rider, <laughs> that entire thing is supposed to be is set in Texas, like some sort of city in Texas or somewhere out in the middle of uh, America. But the thing is, it's all Melbourne. I'm looking at it like I can't focus on the story because I'm going, that's Melbourne, that's Melbourne, that's on top of Melbourne, that's the bridge, that's the Yarra River. Uh, even have was it Rebel Wilson in the movie as well, hmm. who's quite popular these days in um doing an Australian character or any kind of character these days. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange to see that these days, that you can watch something and it can be labeled as something else, but you know deep down that that's the wrong thing. Right, right. <laughs> well, we see a lot of that too with uh, American productions that are filmed in uh, Toronto or, or mm. Canada because mm. you know production costs are so much cheaper um, mm. in Canada and they get a better deal filming things up there. So... If you've ever been to Toronto, you can definitely see the skyline and things they put in there. It's supposed to be, I don't know, Los Angeles or Chicago or somewhere. But yeah, anything. Actually, yeah. Anything to save a buck, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. Conover tells The Simpsons now that it's simply too late to pay the bill and that as a sign of good faith to the people of Australia, they'd like to imprison Bart for five years. And uh, Homer calls it tough but fair. 
Uh, Marge, of course, does not want to send Bart off to jail. And so Conover tells the family that there's one other option, and it's that Bart makes a public apology. So they agree, and they take a flight from Springfield, and the camera pans through the earth. It was a funny gag here. I don't know, did you guys notice all, all the things that were inside of the earth? Like the guy crawling out of the uh, coffin, digging down. Yes. Skeleton. Yep. And then the that goddess of time from Hinduism in the center of the earth. Mm. I think yeah, I think that was Vishnu. I'm not I'm not sure which Hindu deity that was. But then also Skylab, that was a, a famous thing. We apologize for that falling on Australia, by the way. We you know <laughs> horrible accident. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> At the airport, there's a funny moment when they finally land. Lisa explains to Homer that it's actually summer there, not winter. And Homer disappointingly throws his sled by the wayside. Bart is told that the sign that he sees explains that there's not to be any outside plants or animals. And if he brings any in, it could disrupt the environmental balance. And so Bart sadly tells his pet frog that, you know, he doesn't want to be in any more trouble. And he leaves it off at the airport fountain and promising to pick it up when he returns. But of course it goes right out the window and is lovingly adopted by a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> mm. now, now in the DVD commentary for this episode, uh, David Merkin, the executive producer, said that this is a reference to the dung beetle problem in Australia. Was there really a, a dung beetle problem? Um, no, I can't recall a dung beetle problem, but, um, the frog that, uh, uh, but releases, it could be, we, we, we look at it as a reference to cane toads, because we had an issue with cane toads all over, uh, Queensland, and that's been the major issue that we've had for, um, a while, just because, you know, if you've ever seen a cane toad, it's, it's, they're pretty destructive, and also you don't want to touch it. Huh. Mm. I mean, that's the only reference I thought that they were doing. I mean, dung beetles, no, it, it's funny because I actually have listened to that commentary as well because I a couple of years ago uh, when my friend actually had the DVD and I was like, we're listening to commentary just looking at each other going, these guys obviously haven't been to Australia. They've written <laughs> maybe a postcard about it and they're giving it a fair crack. Unfortunately, they should have come over and had a look. Uh, but yeah, yeah <laughs> the only reference I think that we, we took away from Bart's uh, frog was, yeah, cane toads. Because if you ever look up um, the history of cane toads in Australia, yeah, they've been, they've been everywhere. Like, Quite destructive too, because of eating crops and things like that. Oh wow! But not dung beetles. We we haven't had a dung beetle problem. Have you seen the size of a dung beetle? Oh, I know. <laughs> we, we just crush those things. <laughs> no, no. What we do is we send out cane toads to get the dung beetles, and then we realize we have too many cane toads, and then we send snakes, and we have too many snakes, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, what, no, what was it? there was another episode of The Simpsons where they had a similar problem in Springfield and. They had snakes, and then they were going to send in gorillas that eat the snakes, and then yeah. uh, wait for winter to kill off the gorillas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seems like a solid plan. Yeah, of course. So the Simpsons go to the embassy in Australia. Homer confuses the guard for a British palace guard, I guess, and he gets punched in the face while trying to taunt him. It's <laughs> a funny moment. Conover in introduces the family to the U.S. ambassador, and... He explains that the public apology is set for 3 p.m. And this is one of my favorite moments of the whole series, is when Bart asks what direction their toilets flush in, he then shows the family that this huge device that's installed on their toilets uh, to combat homesickness. And it's just this giant apparatus. It's got tubes and pipes going everywhere. It's 
bigger than the toilet itself, and it pumps water in the opposite direction to ensure that it flows counterclockwise. And Homer is so moved, he begins to sing, My country tis of thee, as he wipes a tear. (laughs) This is the biggest, stupidest thing. Such a waste of money. (laughs) And this also taught me a good lesson uh, that I didn't know as as a young child, is that an embassy is considered sovereign soil. So the U.S. Embassy is part of the United States, and Homer demonstrates this by jumping back and forth, explaining that he's in America, Australia, America, Australia, and that guard once again punches Homer, saying, Here in America, we don't tolerate that kind of crap, sir! (laughs) I believe it's at this point where um, Homer and Marge have, like, the the classic tourist getup. Yes. The fanny pack. Yeah. Yeah, and Mm. the weird dumb hat that people only wear when they fish <laughs> being playing the stereotypical american tourist yeah they go they now go to what the cultural center in the simpsons <laughs> now they get a very brief and inaccurate lesson in australian history and we see that the first australian prime minister was actually someone that looks suspiciously like snake the criminal yeah. from springfield <laughs> breaking the shackles i guess that's all he had to do to take control I, I will accept that, um, yeah, we, th- our country was kind of founded in a way by criminals because that's what, you know, England brought all their convicts over just to Australia. Uh, it was more or less, like, I, from what I remember, it was like you had a choice either going to jail or going to Australia, being, you know, deported over to Australia. Um, and it's pretty barbaric at the time. I mean, like, you know, you steal a loaf of bread, you get sent to Australia, which, you know, it, it's, it seems very extreme. I right, yeah. Um, but I don't know, it, it, it's, the culture of it is, like, we're not thieves, obviously, we haven't grown up to be a crime nation, <laughs> uh, we're, we're pretty, you know, acceptable of all, you know, types of people. All. <laughs> and I, I have the answer for the first Prime Minister of, uh, Edmund Barton. Edmund Barton. Oh, so that's Come right. Come on, everyone knows that. Edmund Barton. Everyone knows that Edmund Barton was born January 18th, 1849, and died January 7th, 1920. His spouse mm-hmm. was Jane Manson Ross, and he was a, a member of the Protectionist Party. Oh. So, I mean, come on. You got everyone. We were taught that in elementary school here. Yeah, we that was, off the, that was yeah. off the top of your head, was it? Uh, of course. Yeah, I just happened to yeah. know. Did you have that teacher, Miss Wikipedia? She was great. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Google, actually. She's almost as good. Oh, Miss Google. She's okay. Yeah. <laughs> She she does get a little bit confused when you mention one thing and she gives like five other options or twenty. Yeah, other it's strange. Yeah. She's great, but you know, Mrs. She's... Mrs. Wikipedia was a good one. Uh, but you guys know who found Australia, right? I mean, I know Christopher Columbus found America, but you know, you know who found Australia, right? Mad no. Max. You know, here's. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Captain? Steve Irwin. Was it Captain Cook? Oh my goodness! Yeah. Too too soon, Louis. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Steve? That was hmm? Steve Irwin was my childhood. I loved Steve Irwin. Too soon. Uh, Steve Steve Irwin but, um, did a lot of work for Australia. I guess he really oh brought more the, attention to it. The guy from uh, Peter Pan, Captain Captain Cook. Cook. Oh, but, Captain oh, Hook. Oh, okay. Oops, that's Captain Hook. Hook. James Hook. Well, well, I'll put it this way: we do live in a magical land here in Australia. I mean, the sun comes down on us. We're all tanned. We're all healthy beings. We're really good at sport. Oh, it's amazing! It's a magical faraway land. Now, now, how do you how do you view the Queen? What's your relationship with the Queen of England? I know she's like 
You have the same Canadian type of deal going on where they're kind of your sovereign, but not really. And Part of the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth deal. I mean, do you guys like say this is a big joke or what? How do you feel about that? Do you care about uh, the, the royal princess and prince and all that stuff? Really, pretty much, it, it's like one of those things that pop up that, you know, there are people who are really strongly opposed to the whole idea and making, you want to make Australia its own country away from the queen and everything like that. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's strange because like there's a lot of people who just love the queen. I mean, you know, we have nothing against her. She hasn't done anything really wrong. I mean, we can't actually say she has much of a job. Like, you know, unlike a prime minister, she's not running the country. She's just coming down and saying hi and how are we, and then popping off back home. So it, we yeah. don't hate her. I mean, like we we literally do love her a lot and enjoy the culture and you know what they bring to us. And you know, uh, without England, obviously Australia wouldn't be established the way it is now uh so it's a lot of history and a lot of i guess gratitude in a way towards that country because it really put a lot of a lot of the way we live today in australia in place um and you know we have nothing against it <laughs> really i mean we all love the same things as you know you have the british monarchy and we all love the culture we love the history we love being associated with that so in a way it's like there are people who want to get away from that want australia to be australia proper australia but a problem with that is becoming, you know, export tax and import tax and all that stuff is going to get higher and higher. But um, no, with the Queen, yeah, we got nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's no one really complaining about the whole situation. It's just, you know, we, we accept it. We think it's a very good deal that we've got going on. And, you know, we just want to be associated with that kind of royalty because we are, you know, kind of English, kind of, you know, we, mm -hmm. we all want to be part of that culture. Yeah. So, yeah, no one's got any issues against her. We think she's great. And we the Queen's on your currency. Yeah, she's on everything. She's on my currency, my shoes, hats. <laughs> she, she legally is allowed to walk into your house, take your VCR, and walk out again. And then you oh, realize man. you're still using a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> so you got yeah. more problems than the queen taking your VCR at that point. Yeah, yeah. She comes yeah. in, kicks your door down, and says, excuse me, can I use your bathroom? And you're like, oh, I'm just using it right now. Too bad. And she'll pull you out of it. Um... Different type of throne. <laughs> Different type of throne. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a lot of power. She can do whatever she likes. You know. But yeah, we've, we haven't had any kind of real issues with uh, the Queen recently. I mean, no, we just like it. After the Cultural Center, there was originally a deleted scene here where Homer and Bart interrupt the Australian National Cricket Championship. And uh, is, is cricket a big sport in Australia? What is cricket? I have never heard of this before. No, I... <laughs> Sorry, if you got that reaction from me, I'd be attacked. <laughs> um, yeah, cricket's cricket's huge. I mean, we love cricket down here. Uh, you know, we we actually have you know so much cricket it's coming out of our eyeballs. Uh, it's basically it's it's two things. It's either cricket or football. Oh, yeah. no. uh, I guess I have to say was it Australian rules or Aussie rules? Yeah, yeah, Aussie football. rules football. Yeah, because as soon as we say we say football, it's either to us your football is gridiron or to Europeans football is soccer. Right, right. So you get that kind of muddled situation. No, we love cricket. Cricket's like the uh, lifeblood of Australia in sports-wise. I mean, cricket you can play anywhere in Australia, as long and also football. Because back in the day when I was a kid, I, I played in the school cricket team, which is fun. Uh, especially when you get a... If you've seen a cricket ball, you've seen those before, haven't you? Yep. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of like the same as like a, a baseball. Like it's a heavy object being flung right at you. And all you have to defend you is a bat. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's a cultural icon. You can play it anywhere, on the street, on the beach, everywhere. Yeah, it's still huge. 
Yeah, not not here. We we don't get it on television. In fact, our Apple TVs, uh, I think, just recently got a cricket app that we could you could subscribe to see some matches. Uh, mm. And I think our cable package, if you want to pay like thirty dollars a month, you can you can get a cricket channel added to your uh, <laughs> to your lineup. But uh, yeah, not too popular over here. And whenever they somewhat do show it, I, the scoring is completely lost on me. <laughs> Yeah, it, it can get a little bit tricky with uh, the scoring, and you have to kind of sit down for a little bit and read about it. Um, also, it, it can be a little bit... I will have to admit, it does seem a little bit boring when you're just watching it, and like a guy balls a ball, guy hits the ball, it just rolls across the grass, and that's it. You know, it, it can get a little bit dull from time to time. But, you know, uh, it, it's it's one of those things that it's... For me, when I was playing it, it's fun to play it, rather than just watch it most of the time, because, you know, you watch it, and you're basically there to support the team, but when you're playing it, you're really, you're really hyped about it. Yeah, we have the same, we have the same relationship here with baseball, I think. It's a, it's a very boring sport to watch at times, and, uh, yeah, playing it is a whole different story. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, like, you watch it, it's, it's, it's good to watch for a bit, you can't really, I, I can't sit myself down for, like, a huge amount of time watching cricket, you can't, passed in and out of it like you know you go to another room do something you come in watch the cricket but um yeah we usually arc up about cricket if it's an international game because yeah you know, it's, it's it's australia against the world and we have to really support our team but when it's local stuff you're like eh, it's local right right <laughs> so back in the episode we cut to a local pub where the simpsons stop for a drink and uh bart plays with his small pocket knife and they're approached by i guess you could call him a crocodile dundee type character and he says to Bart, if you call that a knife, this is a knife, to which he produces a spoon. And Bart replies, that's not a knife, that's a spoon. And then the man says, all right, all right, you win. I see you've played Knifey Spoonie before. <laughs> I, th uh, I think you need more of the ochre accent in there. You know, was it, he walks up like, you call that a knife, this is a knife. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's that kind of accent. Uh, that that really sells that joke. It's great because he's like, "Oh, I see you played Knifey Spoonie before." <laughs> well, you know, I I don't want to offend by trying to attempt an Australian accent. So, oh, go ahead. I mean, there are a lot of people we've noticed in the was it, American films using Americans or English people as Australians. Like, have you seen was it Pacific Rim? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two guys in that film you know, doing the robot Striker Eureka, which actually would be the best robot name that Australia could come up with. That's the most Australian name of thing I've ever heard, like a Striker Eureka. The two actors in that who are playing Australians uh, is an American and an English guy. Neither one of them are Australian. Really? Yeah. I, I did I not realize that. Up. I looked it up because I was like, one of those guys I think is Australian, one of them isn't. No, that one's American, one's Australian. No, no, no wow. I'm Australian. I'm Australian. English. So the American and English guy doing Australian accents, and and it's strange because we're we're getting Americans playing Australians, or you having what's it iconic American characters being played by English actors, like Superman's not even American anymore; he's an English actor. Yeah. Spider-Man was played by an English actor. You know, it, it's it's like that Simpsons episode with Radioactive Man. How uh, was it the paint? Was it the painting a cow or a horse? And the same, you know, horses don't look like horses on camera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, and it's like once if you need a once if you need a cow, you, know, you usually tape a bunch of cats together. You know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, the the whole fakery of Hollywood. It, it's, yeah, yeah. It's surprising. Yeah. I think we're fooled over here more than anybody else when it comes to accents. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. I I was I just found out. This is embarrassing to admit, but I found out like two months ago that Jillian uh, Anderson from the X Files is British. 
<laughs> and really? I, I was like, no way. So I went on YouTube and found like an interview with her where she's speaking in her British accent. I could not believe it. How dare you say that? She's not British. I couldn't believe it. I don't know if How maybe dare it's, you? maybe it's because our accents are just kind of just flat and I don't know that w- people can fool us easier. I don't know. Well, we brought this up in our last podcast. We reviewed uh, Sherlock last week, the first episode, and Lily yeah. and I mentioned that um, there was a, a Californian, I'm doing air quotes right now, guy <laughs> in, the, uh, in the episode, and he had probably the, the funniest American slash California accent I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, dude. Oh. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, it was like horrible. I was like, that like, is not real. Obviously, a British guy trying to do an American accent. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not working. So, also uh, at the bar, we I mean, we talked about Fosters already, but there there's a great gag here where I mean, that was the big selling point in all those Fosters commercials is like Australia, you know, Fosters, Australian for beer, and the hand just smashes down this giant can of Fosters. You know, that was the big striking image of every commercial. So, mm. at the bar, Homer asks for one of those famous giant Australian beers, and the bartender gives him basically a can the size of a small keg, and Homer's a little disappointed, saying, uh, it's pretty big, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the keg thing, uh, they actually did sell, they actually do sell a product like that in Australia. It's like a mini uh, keg. What's this called? Tap King. And, because uh, I got one last year, from a friend got me, and you can get, like, uh, small kegs of beer, different types of beer. Uh, you put it in your fridge, and then you have this separate uh, kink or that that the tap that you connect onto the front of it. So it's a mini keg you actually can buy for your fridge. And there was an ad campaign here in Australia, and it had was it uh, Lionel Richie? <laughs> you know, a, a, a guy opens his fridge and it does you know Lionel Richie's famous song, "Hello, is it me you're looking for?" He's in the fridge. <laughs> He's in the oh. fridge in a white suit with a piano, and a guy's like, "Oh wow!" And you know, Lionel Richie hands him a a pint of beer. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Look it, look it up. It's, it's I will. Oh man, that's hilarious. Mm. Yeah, it, it used to be that these you know American celebrities could go overseas and just cash out, you know, like or cash in, I should say, uh, doing all kinds of like Japanese commercials, never anticipating yeah. that the internet would come around and we could you know find all of these things and make fun of them. Mm, yeah, now I can watch. Uh, was it Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's doing his noodle ads? It's great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, the best one was um. Uh, Nicholas Cage doing Pachinko. Yeah, Pachinko. Yeah, it gets insane. <laughs> He's on top of like a Lamborghini or something, going Pachinko. <laughs> uh, we then get the famous exchange, the one that Hamish brought up earlier, where Marge asks the bartender for a cup of coffee, and the bartender replies, "Beer." And no matter what Marge says to correct him, that's all he understands. That's all he replies with. So funny. So then we cut to the Australian House of Parliament, which I guess it actually looks like it was uh, taken from Austria, and a couple of letters were scribbled in. Yeah. Kind of a strange yeah. gag there. Mm. Marge and Lisa leave. They wish Bart good luck. They go off to do some sightseeing, and Bart and Homer step into the House of Parliament. They meet the Drundridges face-to-face, and the Prime Minister calls the meeting to order, and he says that he believes Bart has something to say. So Bart walks up to the microphone and apologizes pretty sincerely for everything that he did. And everybody applauds and seems satisfied. Uh, I was laughing. One of the politicians seemed to have um, the hat with corks hanging off of it. Like from the Bruce sketch from Monty Python. Yeah. Are those real like hats? Do people wear those? Like these days? 
Well, I mean, did, did were those ever a real thing? Yeah, they were. Um, those kind of hats. Oh god, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, there was a name for that hat. But um, no, they used basically just to keep the flies away because you had corks hanging from your hat just to keep the flies away because you get yeah. flies flying around you, uh, especially if you're uh, working out in the countryside. It was one of those kind of very uh, Australian, very like if you're in a very hard Australia, it's very most Australian thing because you're just trying to keep the flies off you. And before you had like fly repellent or fly spray, you just use that basically. And so, you know, the corks would move around and keep the flies out of your face. But then again, you'd have a load of corks in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was one of those kind of things that, uh, were, were very much for our cultural need, I guess. Yeah. After this, the prime minister tells Bart that he's free to go right after his additional punishment. And, uh, they slap handcuffs on him. Now there was a line cut out of the episode here where Bart says to everybody, I'll be going now. I'm sure you want to get home to your 10-year-old American reruns. And one politician covers his ears and yells, Don't tell us who shot JR! (laughs) Well, that was pretty funny. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, how old are the reruns that you, American reruns that you get in Australia? Do you have anything that aired in maybe the 80s or early 90s or... Uh, like MASH? We're still getting episodes of MASH. Not new ones. They're not selling as new ones. No, no. <laughs> We're not that far behind. Right. Um, you know, but, um, no, we still have reruns of shows. I mean, most of the time it's, like, some filler. Uh, the rest of the time it's just because, you know, it's a good show. I mean, we do like these programs. Um, but The Simpsons in the early days, yeah, that, that was a rerun. What, what, how do I say? It was a rerun, like, into the ground. So it's strange yeah. because you have this kind of situation now that even uh, every other simpsons fan will notice in the early days before you could watch things online uh you had rerun episodes of shows and sometimes they just keep looping series of the simpsons so there's a whole first section of the simpsons that we know off by heart but as time went by and they started getting longer and longer and longer uh there are episodes where i can't remember the reference or i don't know what it was or i don't know what the new episodes referencing but all the old ones in the old days all the golden episodes yeah we had episodes rerun constantly uh but beyond the simpsons we had like you know reruns of seinfeld and uh what was it dad's army if you ever had that show no i don't it's think very, so it's a, uh, it's a very british show um if you ever find it it's it's a it's a good it's a good watch it's a very good piece of, a, of um british comedy huh. but um no we had a lot of reruns of uh, tv shows like beyond you know like friends and whatnot i think they're still repeating friends now and that 70s show i think recently has gotten another airing at the moment oh <laughs> Yeah, so so shows keep popping up here and there, and they keep getting used as basically filler for TV networks. So at this point, now they they slap handcuffs on Bart, and this is where we get this is a big part of the episode where the prime minister declares, "Let the booting begin." Out from behind a set of closed doors limps this guy in a leather jacket. He's wearing this comically oversized boot on his left leg. So yeah, this is like the reference to the uh, the caning that was done in Singapore. Uh, thought of as, you know, cruel and unusual punishment, especially uh, on a person that's under 18 years of age. Someone on uh, Yahoo Answers actually asked if that was a thing in Australia. <laughs> Do people get booted in Australia? And like six people were raging back at them. Oh. <laughs> like, of course not. <laughs> oh my goodness. So here the show goes into a commercial break. And when we return, the booter closes in on Bart. Homer asks, what kind of a sick country would kick somebody with a giant boot? And Conover shushes Homer, telling him that disparaging the boot is a bootable offense. 
and that the boot is one of their proudest traditions. Another very offensive shot where the camera pans to the wall and we see that the Australian flag is actually a boot about to kick a posterior. <laughs> uh, Could have been worse. Could have been worse. That's true. Oh, man. <laughs> so now when the booter's about to pull his leg all the way back to kick, Homer grabs the boot off of his leg, places it on his foot, threatens the Prime Minister with it, and Homer makes this impassioned plea to the Australian people. He said, When will you Australians learn? In America, we stopped using corporal punishment, and things have never been better. The streets are safe. Old people strut confidently through the darkened alleys, and the weak and nerdy are admired for their computer programming abilities. So like us, let your children run wild and free, because, as the old saying goes, let your children run wild and free. <laughs> <laughs> then he says, now boy, and they use the boot to break the window, and they flee towards the embassy. Now this is a great scene here where they're running, and a police officer throws a boomerang, and it slices off a few spikes. I mean, a, a, a little bit lower, and it probably would have killed Bart. Now, I, I had to ask Hamish, now, how prevalent is boomerang throwing? Can we please settle this stereotype? As in, like, am I doing it right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, before we had, before we had text messaging, we just put, wrote words on the boomerang, <laughs> flung it across the street, and, like, Dave is going to get that in maybe a couple of days. Um, yeah, boomerang, I, I can't say, unfortunately, I don't think I can say it's a huge thing. I mean, it's, it's still much a cultural thing, but, um, you have to kind of go out of your way and find a boomerang and learn how to use it because they are quite dangerous. Yeah. Um, and the thing is the boomerangs that you see sold in shops, those decorative ones, yeah, they're not the boomerangs you want to use. They usually, um, how do I say it? I mean, like you can watch a lot of videos online about, um, the Aboriginal people, like an Aboriginal man himself, showing you how to properly use a boomerang because, you know, we, I don't think I have a use for a boomerang in my normal day-to-day -day life. <laughs> but um, the the cultural look of the boomerang is not the, I guess, the symmetrical looking V, U shape, if you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, it usually has one side bigger than the other. And yeah, it is a weapon. It's just, yeah, uh, the we don't use it in this day-to-day -day lifestyle and it, it's hard to see it around a place. I mean, I think the only times I've ever seen a, a boomerang recently has been on products for Australian products. Yeah. Product logos. Uh, like, I think you can probably find on a, you know, a tin on Vegemite and I think on Foster's itself might have a boomerang. Wouldn't but, surprise um, me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it has to have everything, everything Australian. But uh, yeah, we, I can't say boomerang throwing and such like that is, yeah, quite big in australia i mean it's just it's a cultural thing but yeah you won't see it from day to day when i was a little kid there was like a, a tv network or some sort of portion of cartoon network called boomerang so when i was a kid like i always wanted to know how to throw a boomerang and uh, all the like cheap toy boomerangs that i would find in some like dollar store here i would try desperately to to learn how to throw one but um totally totally wrong <laughs> idea of what it actually was just thought it was a toy i had no idea no concept it was like a weapon <laughs> <laughs> no i remember culturally oh. that was used as a, a as a weapon but um yeah and he didn't think maybe the term boomerang for that tv show was because it did repeats yeah throwbacks yeah, yeah throwbacks they just it always oh come my back. god are you just, are you just realizing that now <laughs> high school graduate right here 
<laughs> yeah, well, that was when I was like a little kid. I, you know, I don't sit down and watch Boomerang <laughs> at this point in my life. Ugh. If it's still on, but. So uh, Homer and Bart, they run past a pair of kangaroos and Bart gets the bright idea that they can make their getaway in them. And as they step into their pouches, they're covered with mucus. It's probably the most realistic depiction of anything in this show. And uh, Bart says, ew, it's not like cartoons. So let that be a lesson, kids. Don't try to step into a kangaroo's pouch. I just like, it, it took a cartoon to say this is not like cartoons. <laughs> yeah, really. That's Especially this episode. <laughs> yeah. Two cartoon uh. characters saying, oh, this is not like in cartoons. It's like, but you're, you are a cartoon. <laughs> Now, meanwhile, Marge and Lisa are at the South of the Equator gift shop where the sign says, Pedro says, eats high koala tea. Now, this is a reference to the gift shop slash tourist trap called South of the Border. Uh, Sean, have you ever been there? Or Lily? Uh, I have not. We just had a relative come back from there and brought us some uh, postcards and bumper stickers. Oh, my goodness. N- never been there before. I have not It's either. a weird rest stop. That's like a, also kind of like a restaurant. I, I don't know. It, it's it's a big rest stop that you you go off on the highway, and it's I think between the border of North and South Carolina, and it just it's basically pretending that you cross the border into Mexico. So everything's like sombrero <laughs> themed and everything. Really cheesy stuff. Really it's, terrible place. It's quite racist. Yes. <laughs> Get the tourist experience without being a tourist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, that's what that's a reference to. Uh, Lisa wants to buy a didgeridoo as as her one souvenir to bring home, but Marge tries to persuade her to buy a clever cap that says Pobuddy's Nerfict in Australia. <laughs> Which, you know, at that time, I had seen hats like that. They had them for Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Pobuddy's Nerfict. I, I think they were just, you just slap whatever city you're on or what country you're in onto the hat, and it, that's what it's, you know, sold as. So they're interrupted by the shopkeeper who's pushing all the frogs now out of the store. And so I, the time scale isn't too correct, you know, that, that the frog would multiply that quickly, assuming it found a compatible mate in Australia. But uh, anyway, we're seeing that the bloody things are everywhere, as he says. Uh, there's an Australian version of the pimple-faced teen, and he remarks that they're like kangaroos but reptiles. Marge says, no, we, we have them back home and they're called bullfrogs. And the teen finds this to be a very odd name. Did anybody catch what he would ca- have called them? Chazwazers <laughs> yes. or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I used to be able to do the voice. Like, I would have called them Chazwazers. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, uh, the, the squeaky voice teen's a great character. Yes. Especially when it was, he's, was it, he's uh, making a taco for uh, Krusty. <laughs> yes. I, you know, it's like, was it? It's like, I got your taco, sir. Oh, he drops in the deep fryer. He's like, ow, yeah. ow, ow. <laughs> he finally has it, he hands it to him. He's like, here's your taco, sir. Uh. And then he's like, I don't want it. <laughs> what? But this comes out of my salary. If I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, those are, those are the references. Which is, oh, God. I remember those episodes. Those great. So good. So good. Chaz Wazes. Chaz Wazes. Hmm. So it's at this very moment that Bart and Homer happen to run by, and they're pursued by a large crowd. And this is worth kind of going through and freeze-framing this scene. Here we see the them being chased by police officers, the Prime Minister, Conover, Bruno Drundridge, the Booter, uh, as well as an Aboriginal man. 
Wes, I, I believe his name is Wes, a character from Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, <laughs> as well as the bartender from earlier in the episode, and Crocodile Dundee. This is actually the Paul Hogan Crocodile Dundee chasing them for some reason. <laughs> That's uh, Those are everybody. That's everybody in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so as they near the embassy, the ambassador, now he's sick of the Simpsons. He doesn't want them to come in. So he begins to close the gate as they approach. But the gate control is made with pride in the USA, so it starts sparking and it malfunctions and stops and they're able to get in. The, uh, during the DVD commentary, they pointed to this moment where they're like, see, we make fun of ourselves too. <laughs> there's more truth in Jess than anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> mm. So there's a whole other negotiation over the phone and they finally agree to a compromise that Bart will get booted, but now it's by the Prime Minister through the gate with a regular shoe. In fact, it's a wingtip, as he mentions. So Bart agrees, saying that it's time for him to bend over and accept his destiny. So with all in attendance, he walks over to the gate. Prime Minister's waiting, he's shining his shoe, and he bends over. The Prime Minister declares, This is for the Commonwealth of Australia! As he attempts to kick, Bart jumps forward and says, This is for the United States of America! He pulls down his shorts, mooning the crowd, and across his butt is written, Don't Tread on Me. And then he waves his backside to the angry crowd while humming the Star-Spangled Banner. <laughs> I like the part here where Lisa basically says that she was impressed he could write upside down on his butt, Don't Tread on Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'd be amazed by that. So the furious crowd now just is, they're throwing all kinds of Foster's cans at him. They break down the gate. <laughs> The family flees to the roof at the helicopter, and this is a, a scene taken from the uh, famous photograph of the fall of Saigon in 1975, where they, uh, they had to flee, so some odd historical reference there. And the helicopter is going to make its way towards the laundry ship, the USS Walter Mondale, and <laughs> the Prime Minister and the rest of the crowd, they make one final attempt to throw more Fosters. The Simpsons look down at, and... One final time at Australia, they see hordes of these frogs overrunning, destroying crops, and they laugh hysterically. Uh, you, there's no wondering why this did not get well-received in Australia. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Even Lisa, who seems to be the most ecologically-minded of the family, she finds it hilarious, too. <laughs> there's that ominous music that's playing as they uh, watch this scene, too. Yes, because it, it's not all fun and games for The Simpsons, because... The camera pans down, and we see a koala clinging to the bottom of the helicopter, and it ominously kind of smash zooms into its face uh, with the very uh, dire music sting at the end. So, it, I um, would like to keep in the habit of asking an off-the-wall question. So, this is directed at all of you. What would you name the evil koala <laughs> if you had to give it a name? Oh, man. <laughs> Paul Hogan. That's my name. <laughs> okay. Or Yahoo Serious, whatever you prefer. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Keep taking all the good names, Sean. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd name it Foster. Foster. <laughs> I'd probably just name it. Uh, seeing as it's not very popular right now, that'd be Tony Abbott. He's our current prime minister at the moment. Oh, okay. Sorry, that, 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 got poli that kind of got political at the moment, but yeah, he's... He's a bit of a drongo. <laughs> I know what that means now. Yes. And now you can, yeah, yeah. In the spirit can... of uh, of this episode, I would I would name it drongo. Mm. 
I, I also need to mention here, as the closing credits roll, we, we get a beautiful version of the Simpsons theme here by Alf Clausen, and uh, he actually brought in a special, especially for this theme, a, a didgeridoo player. And the didgeridoo that you hear in this, it's actually PVC. It's not uh, like the traditionally made one. And uh, instead of the Gracie Film logo shush that we're all familiar with, we get more of that didgeridoo. But really a, a beautiful version of the theme. So, so what were your thoughts upon seeing this? I, I know it's been a while for me, I'm sure, maybe for you guys too. Well, I recall this, you know, there's so many Simpsons episodes, it's hard to remember them all, I guess you can say, over time. But this is one that really stands out to me as a, I would say it's probably one of the best episodes. Uh, debatably. It, it's, you know, it's uh, definitely a landmark episode, like you mentioned, Scott, with um, the Simpsons going to a different country. But, you know, just this all. The in-jokes, everything was very, very humorous. I, I would definitely say this is a uh, probably top top 20 episode. See, growing up, I was never really the biggest Simpsons fan because a lot of the humor went right over my head. So, unfortunately, I, I missed out on it. Um, but going back and watching it and being able to appreciate it more, it was absolutely hilarious. I, as offensive as it was, <laughs> but I, it was sophisticated humor. Uh, for me, it was at the time when it came out. Uh, we didn't. Really, I didn't see a big deal wrong with it. It was a complete farce of what Australia looks like to us, and it did feel slightly insulting. That's only at the time when it came out. It felt like you know they were just really taking the piss out of us, or that we've done something wrong <laughs> to them greatly. But um, over time, it matured with us because again, we still reference it and we still remember the episode and we still look back and then go, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, but it's just that instant shock of when it first came out. And it's like, oh, that's what they think of us? And, you know, <laughs> laying waste to our country at the end of it. Because if you can compare it to other times they've been to other countries, they get, they've get they done their research for other countries. Like if they go to England or if they go to uh, Brazil, like, you know, it looks like the country and they make yeah. you know, a couple of jokes about it. But, but with Australia, it's the most one that's... If, if it was in the, the universe of, of uh, The Simpsons... You know, all the other countries seem like they're kind of farcical and funny, while Australia is vastly different compared to all of them. It just looks like a, well, I guess a, a, a big wasteland of nothingness, or just brown land <laughs> compared to <laughs> everything else, like England and wherever wherever else they go. It seems like they get it, they get it pretty correct. But Australia was, I think, was it? Used, it was the first one that they went to a different country, right? Yeah, that's I believe yeah. so. Yes. Yeah. So I guess from the first experience of this and the cultural uh, reception they got from it yeah you could see they made a lot of differences you know it just so happened that australia was the first pick and you know they they did what they had to do and these days it's it's quite funny you know it's it's still a funny episode to look back on i mean there's no you know uh, hatred towards it it's just one of those things to look back and go okay this is what they thought of us and you know what the simpsons are now compared to what it was then greatly different so yeah it's a it's a good episode yeah, I I agree. This is one of my all-time, probably my favorite season altogether. It had an ice hockey episode, which I loved. I think it had the Stonecutter episode. Uh, yeah. The 101 Greyhounds, I think, was also in this. So there, there's so many great episodes. Weinstein and, and Oakley had such a great run on the show. And this is like just about, I think, the end of their era. I'm not too certain of that, but all of their episodes are just so great. Except for the one where Skinner is revealed to be Armin Tanzarian. I hate that episode. 
but mm. uh, that's that's for another podcast. But yeah, I totally agree. And I think as the years went by, and the you know, as you mentioned, the Brazil episode, they also make fun of New Orleans, and in in an episode, uh, there's a musical. I think the streetcar named desire. So uh, there was a lot of, uh, controversy surrounding that. And I think over the, over time, people have generally understood that, okay, the Simpsons will make fun of you. Uh, but it's, it's definitely coming from a place of love and it's so over the top. It's not really meant to be taken seriously. I think, you know, if you look at it, the Simpsons make fun of, makes fun of, um, the United States more than anything else. Yes, and the culture of Americans in general. So it's they're very poke fun at uh, the American culture quite a bit. So you know, it's just the nature of the show, you know. And I, I, I wasn't offended. I, I, I remember watching this in 1995, and I was you know a teenager and didn't think that Australia was really like this. I thought it was a funny interpretation of all the stereotypes. Well, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode of Hitting Play. Uh, I just want to say uh, you can always email us with your comments, suggestions, Australian beer suggestions, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. And you can always talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, now Hamish, how can people find some of your great work and uh, find you online? Uh, internet. There you no. go. <laughs> That's broad. No. Um, well, you can find me basically find me on Vine, uh, Silent Hamish, uh, Twitter, Silent Hamish. Uh, you can find me on the street if you come to Australia. Just don't be weird about it. Uh, no. Yeah. Basically, yes. Uh, you can find me on. Uh, this is me looking for my notes. Uh, yeah, on Twitter at Silent Hamish, Vine at Silent Hamish, Instagram Silent Hamish on. Uh, Tumblr, I think Silent Hamish Art, if you want to see some of the bizarre stuff which I've uploaded. Um, yeah, basically that's where you can find me, on the internets, on the Twitter, wherever. <laughs> I recommend that everybody uh, follow Hamish on, on Vine at Silent Hamish. The, those Vines like he was talking about, that's uh, so great. Because not everybody's doing uh, cartoons like that. Very unique, and it, it, originally with Vine and the format that it was, you were very limited in what you could do. So you had to figure yeah. out a way to add voice and animate. It's not like something you could just feed back into the computer, or record a voice track over it. So uh, yeah. it was it was cool to see how he dealt with those limitations. I, I did like a flip page thing. That was my way of being able to animate and speak at the same time. But uh, mm. his cartoons are great. So everyone check those out. And uh, that's great that they found the Danger Five guys found you that way. I had no idea that was your connection to the show. That's that's yeah. awesome. That, that's the way they found me because you know I'm just a little fan, trying my best to keep this you know, message going. Uh, but no, I, I yeah, I think with, when Vine came around, yeah, when I was just doing it myself, um, the annoying thing I was like, uh, uh, I've got like I think two more of those videos to do because I'm going to finish with like a hundred of those Danger Five Saturday morning Danger Five videos. Yeah. Unfortunately, because of work got in the way, uh, it you know it takes a little bit more time to do these things because unfortunately I don't get paid to do these things. Uh, my real job gets in the way. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I've kind of set myself out to do 100 of these Danger 5 vines so I can say, I've done 100, there we go. And annoying enough, like the space in between has just been getting bigger and bigger because, yeah, it just work and stuff yeah. like that. But um, yeah, I, and also with your work, I, I don't see anyone else doing the flip page stuff. And I thought that's very inventive and very, you know, classic animation style. Oh, thanks. Because every, every time you've seen, I guess, behind the scenes shots of classic Disney stuff being made and they're always flipping the page to get the character to look like he's talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it works. For the limitations, I think it works. Because 
I don't use any uploading because I, I don't think I'm that tech savvy when it comes to that. And plus, it's only six seconds. If I don't want to spend like an hour and something to make something <laughs> six seconds. I mean, right. I spend basically I think an hour maybe putting those drawing those little uh, cartoon things put together and working out how to actually animate it. But beyond that, if if you get to a point where you spend like I guess six hours or four hours on something at six seconds, you kind of have to weigh up. What am I really doing here? Well, right, how, exactly. How much time am I spending here? <laughs> yeah. You know, if, it, if it's not fun and it just feels like a chore, then don't do it. Yep, I hear you. Now, Lily, you got anything to plug? Um, You can find me on YouTube, uh, LilyPution22, if you enjoy video games or anything of the sort. Um, I've got the same handle on Twitter. So those are the two places you could probably reach me the best. First, I'd like to give a shout-out to the wonderful employee at the Yarmouth Radio Shack. His name is Mo, who pulled me a really did a solid for me this weekend on my Maker Fair product project. Uh, visit that Radio Shack; it's probably the only one left on the Eastern Seaboard at this point. <laughs> but they do sell some interesting things and wires and such. And also a shout out to um, Outback Steakhouse and <laughs> the Great Commonwealth of Australia. Thank you. Visit oh, everyone, please. <laughs> Give we'll make a note of that. One. Yep. <laughs> we'll make a note. Yeah, I'll let them know. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you like the show, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show, and we try to definitely be creative with those. You can also tap to rate us on the iTunes page. You can give us five stars there as well. And, uh, yeah, anything that you do will be appreciated. Well, this was great, Hamish. This was uh, definitely a treat, and uh, I thank you for taking the time to uh, join us to uh, set set the matter straight when it comes to Australian culture. Uh, I, I feel like I've done more damage than good, actually. So <laughs> I feel like I've done a disservice to my country. <laughs> no, no, no. You might no get worries, deported. Thanks. I don't know. Oh, God, where else can they send me? <laughs> New Zealand. <laughs> oh, there's no, plenty no, of room no. over here. Oh, they could probably send me to Tasmania. Yeah, there you go. If there's always openings out Outback Steakhouse. They always need a good waiter, so. <laughs> no, no, probably, probably as I'm Australian, I'd walk in like, hi, I'm Australian, can I get a job? And it's like, no, you're too Australian. Like, yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, we have been Hamish, Lily, Sean, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. So, Hamish, before we go, do you mind just checking to see what direction your toilet goes and maybe your drain and maybe your neighbor's drains? All right, hold on one second. Yeah, we'll hold.